Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Well, good morning. Welcome to First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lake, where we are trying to know God, to love God, and to serve God. I am Pastor Lynn. I am the associate pastor here, and I'm so glad to be with you today. You've come on a great day because today Pastor John is going to be helping us to find what are the messages buried in, can you guess from what she was playing? The Lion King. That was the circle of life, right? So it'll be a good service. Uh, we have worship leaders, Rose Bledsoe and Carol Kapuska. Did I say it right? I'm getting good at that. But we want to know that you're here. So please take that little card that was inside your bulletin, or if you're with us online, please go online to our website and let us know that you're here and, and let us know things that you're interested in being a part of. We do have just a couple of announcements we want to share with you today. One is there's going to be a new member class starting here at the Brighton campus on February 27th. You can find out, oh, there it is on the screen, and there's more about it for you in the bulletin. Also, we need you to start bringing in some socks because we are doing a sock drive, and you can see the sizes. And finally, there's going to be a pancake dinner coming up. Doesn't that sound good? If you missed breakfast this morning, it sounds real good. It's going to be on February 21st at 5 o'clock. So you can find out more about all of that on our website. And now 
We invite any children that are here to depart for Sunday school as we rise to sing our opening song, which is a song that started in South Africa. So let's stand together. Let's open our worship this morning with prayer. Please join with me. Lord of power and might, we come together to worship you. You speak to us. Help us to be quiet and listen. You show us your way. Help us to follow. You heal our wounds. Help us to show our gratitude by healing the wounds of your people. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 22 through 28. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Rose, for reading our scripture this morning. I invite you to join me now in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be measured and found acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one who calls us by name. Amen. Well, I hope that some of you at least have had a chance to see Disney's The Lion King. Maybe you've seen it in theaters when it first came out. Maybe you saw it uh, when it was in in live production on a Broadway uh, musical. Perhaps you've seen it is the the live animation, you know, with, with real lions that have been created by CGI, regardless of what medium you've seen The Lion King on, uh, I have to admit, I basically can sit down and watch that film and quote every single line. So I'm a little excited this morning to tell you about Disney's The Lion King. As I watch this movie, right, the, probably the, the thing that stands out to most of us is the opening scene, right, where, where animals from all over Africa are running to the common place at Pride Rock because something new and exciting is about to happen. Mufasa, the, the king of the Pride Land, is about to bless his brand new son, and he's going to be lifted up high by Rafiki, the baboon. He's going to hold him up high in the sky. All the animals will bow down in this moment of great celebration. But more than that, it's the music, right? Like, there's not a greater opening to a music uh, musical in, in all of the world besides this beautiful breaking of dawn and the light coming up over the pride lands. And you can almost hum the, the song, right? You can sing it out with all of your voice. But the story turns pretty quickly, right? Because everybody, every animal in the entire Pride Land is gathered to see uh, Simba's blessing in the midst of this moment, except for his uncle. I mean, you probably don't have family stories like this, right? I'm assuming that all of you have beautiful, perfect relationships with everybody in the family. But in Simba's family, unfortunately, Mufasa and his brother Scar don't get along all that well. Why? Because Scar believes that it is his right to be king. Mufasa, of course, is the king, and so they get into this kerfuffle about who is supposed to be in charge. And in this moment, right, um, Scar decides that he's going to show his lack of support for the lineage of the king, which gets passed down in this particular story from father to son by not coming at all to the blessing of Simba. And then, to make matters worse, in the back of Scar's mind, throughout the early part of the play, he's doing everything in his power not only to kill Simba, but also to kill his brother, because that's what good family does, right? Like, this is is good, you know? And so, in the midst of it, uh, Scar devises this plan where Simba is going to be in danger in front of a massive stampede of wildebeests. And so the wildebeests are running through, and all of a sudden, uh, Mufasa is alerted that his son is down inside this gorge, and the wildebeests are stampeding through, and they're literally just going to run Simba over unless Mufasa jumps down to rescue him. Sure enough, this brave Mufasa jumps right down to rescue his son, and he's climbing out of the gorge, and he's trying to get out of it, and he's using all the strength that this lion can muster, and so he's peering up 
over the ledge, and who does he see but his very own brother, right? Scar is looking down on Mufasa, and instead of pulling him to safety, Scar executes the plan that's been on his mind since the moment that his kingdom was wrongfully taken from him in his mind, and so he digs his claws deep into Mufasa's hands, and he just uh, says, you know, I'm called to be king, and casts him off the ledge, and he falls to his death. I don't know if you're like me, but I literally can still remember crying the moment that Simba comes up to his dad. Like, can you hear, I think it was like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know, at the time, which, you know, when I was young was like the dreamiest young star in all of Hollywood and for some people. And so anyway, he like walks up to his dad and pulls his paw up over his eyes and he's like, dad, wake up. Wake up. And Mufasa doesn't wake up. And the thing about this story is, in this moment, Simba thinks it's his fault. He shouldn't have been down in the gorge playing. He shouldn't have been, you know, doing what his dad asked him not to do. And he blames himself for his father's death. And, you know, usually we turn to family when we're looking for help emotionally. Like, that's our safe place to turn to. And so who does Simba run into at the moment right after he's lost his dad? You know, the, the sympathizing uncle, Scar, right? And he says, you know, Uncle Scar, what should I do? And Scar's response to him is, Simba, run away and never return. And that's exactly what Simba does. And so he goes out into the desert and he wanders there for quite some time until eventually he collapses because he doesn't have enough water. And he's discovered there by two of the most comical figures in the entire play, right? Pumbaa and Timon, right? They come and meet him and at first, they're excited to meet him and try to figure out who this guy is, but then all of a sudden, they realize he's a lion, and they're terrified, of course, because they're on a lower rung of the food chain. And so they befriend Simba, and they sort of nurse him back into health by teaching him this mantra, Akuna Matata, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about your past. Just look forward. You don't have to deal with anything that's ever happened in your past. Just bury it, sweep it under a rug, live happily. You know, Akuna Matata, this refrain gets said over and over again in the play. And then there's this moment, because all throughout Simba's childhood, he's been really close to this friend that he has, Nala, their childhood friends. They love to play together. They love to wrestle together. And all of a sudden, this lioness comes and finds Simba, and she discovers him, and she can't believe that she's discovered Simba, whose everyone has thought has been dead for years and years. And so finally, Nala confronts him and says, you need to come back. Because Scar has taken over as king and the entire kingdom has fallen apart, you have to come back and confront your uncle. You can't let this decision that's been eating you for years and years and years consume you. You have to face your past. You have to take ownership of your past. You have to go back and confront your uncle. And this is where my favorite part of the whole movie comes in. Do you remember this? In addition to Nala discovering Simba, all of a sudden, a little bit of Simba's fur, like, literally floats up into the, to the air, and it literally just, you know, blows all the way to the place where Rafiki, the very same baboon that held Simba up a couple of days after his birth, catches it out of the wind, and he takes one sniff, and instantly Simba is known to be alive. And so Rafiki goes out on his own quest to come find this lion. Sure enough, he's discovered. Is this story sounding familiar? Am I telling the right? How am I doing? Am I doing all right? <clears throat> so Rafiki reaches up, grabs the fur, goes down and chases down the lion. And this is the best part, in my opinion, of the whole movie. Because Rafiki confronts him and he's like, you know, do you know who you are? And, and Simba's like, you know, of course I do. I know exactly who I am. And he's like, no, you don't. You have no idea who you are. And he's like, I think you're confused. I'm not the one that's confused. You don't even know who you are. This beautiful scene, first Rafiki starts by striking him with his staff. And, uh, and Simba has this moment where Rafiki tells him that his dad's still alive, that even death doesn't get to be the end of the story, that that Mufasa lives on, and, and so he has this moment where he's looking into this reflecting pool, and Simba sees himself at first, and then all of a sudden with Rafiki's staff, he stirs the water, and then in himself he sees his father, 
But then in this supernatural way, all of a sudden the clouds part and the voice of James Earl Jones, which, I mean, like, if God had a voice, right, that we could hear audibly, I think James Earl Jones would do, personally. Like, I I could dig with the voice of James Earl Jones. And this is what James Earl Jones, Mufasa, Simba's dad, says to him. Simba, remember who you are. And you think about that in this story, right? Because for most of it, Simba has forgotten who he is. He's forgotten that he's supposed to be the king. He's forgotten that he's supposed to be the protector of all of these animals in the animal kingdom. He's forgotten that he's supposed to be the rightful heir of the throne. He's forgotten that he's supposed to keep all of his friends and family safe. He's been running from his past. And in this moment, James Earl Jones, the voice from above, looks down on him and says, remember who you are. And then all of a sudden, you know, Rafiki, his good buddy, his mentor, his friend, says, what are you going to do? And Simba's already running. Not away this time, but back to the Pride Lands to confront his uncle. The story that we read from Genesis this morning is about a similar story in Scripture. I don't know if you'll remember this story really well, but there is this story of Isaac and his sons, right? You have Jacob and you have Esau. And in the beginning of the story, when we meet these two boys, Jacob is jealous of his brother Esau because his brother gets all the blessings from their dad. And this moment comes when their father is dying, and all of a sudden, Jacob decides that he's going to go to his dad because his brother has hairy arms. I don't know if that, you know, like, that's just part of the story. And and he goes to his dad, and his dad's starting to lose, you know, some of his faculties of judgment, and he tries to pretend to be his brother. Why? Because he wants his father's blessing. He walks into this you know, tent, I imagine it, and and says, like, will you please bless me? I'm your son Esau, and sure enough, like, in that moment, he receives a blessing that should have gone to his brother, and he goes out into the world and lives the rest of his life, and I imagine that throughout his entire life, he wrestles with the fact that he lied to his dad right in the last moments of his life, And I don't know if you've ever had something in your life that you carry with you everywhere you go. Maybe a deep, dark secret that you hope you go to the grave with, that you never divulge to anybody. Something that you've been ashamed of that you're just like, I really hope that this doesn't define the rest of my life. Maybe somebody in your family does. But there are so many ways in which guilt and shame can cripple us from living out our life to the fullest. Maybe it prevents us from becoming the person that we're supposed to be. And so for five chapters of Genesis, we hear this story about a guy named Jacob who can't really say his own name. He's always trying to be and pretend to be something that he's not. But at the end of the story, there's this moment that he knows he's about to confront his brother. He knows that he's about to to have to take ownership or take responsibility for the lie that he told his dad many, many years ago that fractured his family. He and his brother haven't spoken to each other in years. And in this moment, he works up the courage to go back, you know, and and the night before, he's like wrestling, and that's where this scripture picks up. He's wrestling with with a man, it says, and and we oftentimes attribute that wrestling to be with God, and and God's literally like beating him up, and I can just imagine Jacob and God wrestling back and forth, and I can imagine the voice of James Earl Jones saying, remember who you are, Jacob. No, you're not perfect. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you have to take responsibility for that, but who are you? You don't have to run from this for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to define you. You can take responsibility. You are good enough. Remember who you are. So finally, at the end of their wrestling match, he says, what is your name? And finally, for the first time in five chapters, Jacob is able to finally say, my name is Jacob. I can just imagine, like, in that moment... Finally, he's able to admit that he spent most of his life pretending to be something that he's not. And in that moment, it's like the the skies part, the rain clouds, you know, recede. There's no more drama or intensity or anything like that. And finally, he's able to take ownership of who he is. And the next day, his brother comes riding across, you know, the river, essentially. And there's this moment 
where Jacob's like, this is my whole family. You know, in the Bible it says he's got two wives, all these kids or whatever, and they're standing there, and his brother comes riding across the river with all these men, and, and in this moment, you know, he's like, I stole the blessing that was supposed to be for you. You can take everything I have. You can, you can literally ransack all of the possessions that have accumulated over the course of my life. And do you know what Esau does? He hugs him. We can heal the deep divisions and the shame that we oftentimes bring into life, you know, the the ways in which we want to run from the pride lands and pretend like we don't actually come from the places that we come from, the, the stories that haunt us deep at night when we're waking, you know, like staring wide awake at two o'clock in the morning. I just want to say there's hope that in the midst of this, you know, sort of ordinary tale in The Lion King, Simba has this moment And the way he's able to have that moment is because he's surrounded himself with really good people that love him. You remember Rafiki? I mean, tough love, right? I I hope you don't have a baboon that hits you with a staff and says, you know, like, you don't even know who you are. But sometimes we need that, you know what I'm saying? Like a friend that can, you know, say what needs to be said. And then a friend like Nala who comes back and says, like, I can barely recognize you right now. You've been running all this time, but we've been suffering. We need you. And then, you know, like a father from the grave, essentially, that says, remember who you are. This isn't who I raised you to be. Yes, things didn't turn out as we planned. I would have loved to have been there for years and years, supporting you, teaching you, passing all these great life lessons. Remember who you are. One of the things that I take away from the Lion King is where you start isn't necessarily where you finish. And one of the best scenes, because like when Simba goes back, there's like fire and, you know, like the whole pride land is dead. There's, it's arid. There's no longer this like lush, green, beautiful grass or whatever. The whole film talks about the circle of life, preserving the natural way that things are. But, you know, it's all on fire, and and it's just this, like, terrible scene. Ashes are being thrown at each other's faces. It's just ugly. But then the rain comes, and across the pride lands, all the fires are put out. And you can just see, right? Like, you don't get to see it in that moment, but you can just imagine new plants coming up and order being restored and restoration coming, and and new life, all that coming at the end of the story. Why? Because Simba had the courage to go back, to face his demons, to face his past. I I don't know if this story speaks to you, but I'm here to tell you when The Lion King came out, it was the third highest grossing film of all time. Now it's number nine behind like 12 Star Wars films and Avatar. Like, if you look at the list, it's like, you know, three billion. And, and then some Avengers are in there as well. But Lion King, you know, I think there's something about this story. The music is great. Can you feel the love tonight, right? Hakuna Matata, all these great, you know, musical pieces. But I also think part of the reason why people saw this film a couple of times is because their kids dragged them, you know, maybe that's part of it but also because I think through these animals, we were able to to learn about what it means to be human, what it means to make mistakes, to fall flat on our face, to run like a a scaredy cat for most of our lives, but then to work up the courage eventually to own our part of the story, to make mistakes, but to get back up and to confront the past, to go back and, and to restore things that are broken, at the end of the day, I think this movie reminds us that we can heal. And I believe that that's true. So whether it's Jacob and Esau fighting over who gets the blessing of their dad, or Simba and Scar and, and Mufasa arguing over who gets to be king of the Pride Lands, or, or maybe it's you and a disassociated member of your family or somebody that you got into an argument with back in some election period when you didn't see eye to eye and you haven't spoke to each other since, or maybe it's a neighbor that you got into an argument with because, you know, you ran over their mailbox or something like that. Whatever the case may be, there's something in this movie that speaks to me about just saying, 
I made a mistake and I was ashamed of what happened, but that doesn't have to be where the story ends. And so I hope that if there's something that you're wrestling with, maybe it's a mistake that you've made. Maybe it's a mistake that somebody else has made. Maybe it's something that you hope nobody ever discovers or finds out about. I hope that in The Lion King, number one, you have friends in your life that can help restore you to wholeness. Secondly, I hope that you're able to work up the courage to just be able to say your own name. Some of us struggle with that, right? We don't want to look in the mirror. We don't want to say our own name, but I I hope that just for a moment, you can take a moment and look at your own face in the mirror and remember who you are. And that's good enough. And I don't care what has happened. I hope that you're able to take a moment to just say, you know, God loves you while you're looking in the mirror. And for some of us, that can be really hard. And finally, I, I hope for all of you that, that even in the midst of like the, the worst period of time that the Pride Lands ever have, when things are in complete chaos, that you can know that the rain is coming. That, that in the midst of all of the hardship and the challenges and the family strife, when it seems like thunder clouds are just, you know, blowing up all over the place, I hope that you can remember that new life is coming. It's going to be okay because we're in God's hands. And that's the work that God does over and over and over again. So I hope the next time you watch The Lion King, you enjoy it. I hope that you're able to hear the voice of James Earl Jones as you walk through your day-to-day life that I hope in that moment reminds you of exactly who and whose you are. I hope that you're able to feel the love that God has for you even when you're laying flat on your face and you feel like the world is falling apart. Thanks be to God for this great musical, this wonderful story, and the work of God to redeem and restore broken relationships. Amen.
morning. Turn into a time of prayer. I want to uh, point our focus towards today's prayer quilts. They are for Marilyn and Dorothy, and they'll be outside the glass doors when we leave to tie a knot, say a prayer, sign the card, put a little of our loving energy into those quilts so they can wrap around those people that need those prayers. So I have to say that when this sermon series of musicals started, I was a little skeptical. I didn't know how it was going to have any kind of connection to the Bible, to any kind of message. My fra- I, I'm, I'm an avid musical lover from the very youngest. My favorite is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know, the hills are alive. When you're a jet, you're a jet. You know, all of those. I didn't know. I'm not, I don't know Fiddle on the Roof. I'm sorry. I know that's probably scandalous to say. Um, but I did not know what I was going to pray about today. I've enjoyed all the messages, but I just didn't have a connection necessarily with the musical and the Bible until I realized, which I'm kind of disappointed you didn't do this, Pastor John, but I kind of realized what my connection was, and it went, And I realized (laughs) that it's the rhythm, it's the actual music that is my connection. And that's because if you come to the 11 o'clock services, I play the tambourine. I love that rhythm behind it. I get into it. I get down and funky with the Lord at 11 o'clock. I love the music of it. I love the lyrics of it. Sometimes I go to practice for the band practice, and I will just sob at some of the songs because that is how musicals are connections for me in the Lord, that rhythm, that that explosion of emotion that comes from the songs. And that's also kind of how I hope that my prayers connect with you. It's just the rhythm and the wordsmithing and that kind of pattern that I put into the words because praying to me is almost like singing. And singing is like praying to me. And that's what I kind of put into my prayers and I hope that I put into this prayer so that you can enjoy it as you would one of your favorite songs. So let's pray. Dear Lord, in this cold and cloudy month of January, we pray for hope. Those uplifting reminders of the power of hope and how it is all tied to you. When we would rather hunker into the warm blankets of our bed and isolate ourselves, when we feel hopelessness and depression as if the sun will never warm our bones again. We pray for your light, your warmth, your glow to urge us out into our community of supports. And we thank you for bringing us here today to worship in this congregation. Lord, to you all praise and glory is given. We praise your name for all of the blessings in our life, family and friends, neighbors, colleagues, and even strangers we meet that share with us their stories and experiences. You show us your lessons to us through them. We thank you for the music that you bring into our lives, the song and dance on the big screen, the joy and wonder, the animation and characters that represent to us your teachings and provide us with lessons along with the enjoyment. But in all of our joy and toe tapping and thankfulness, part of these musicals and our own stories include sorrows. There are things that we ask of you, Lord, things that we need help with. It may be help for us, a challenge in our own life that weighs heavily on our hearts and minds stresses of the week that seem overwhelming and we ask for help from you but we also ask help for others help those that are in need because they're suffering emotionally help for those dealing with sickness help for those that are in leadership positions and making very important decisions help those that are picking up the pieces after a disaster in their life 
help those that are needing shelter or to know where their next meal is coming from. We ask that you provide for them in these times and use us as you see fit for these purposes. And on a personal level, we also ask for forgiveness for your understanding in those times when our ears have been deaf to the call of others and our eyes blind to the needs of others. When we are called upon, even in the smallest way, we hope that we can answer your call and that we do not pause to question your call, but move forward with confidence toward what you have called us to do. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our uncertainties, our doubt, our lack of compassion. We have all different things that we need forgiveness. Thank you for moving in our hearts. Thank you for bringing music to our souls. And we give ourselves to you knowing that in doing that, we don't need to worry about having enough for ourselves. We can give freely and we do not have to hold back. For in loving you, we are in a community that gives and gets when we need. Rain down on us with your glory and call us to sing in the rain. Evoke in us the renewal that comes in our trust that you are here to support your guys and dolls. Bring to us our minds, those words that we need to settle our souls and all that jazz. And in the conversation that we now have with you in our time of silence, help us to feel that it is just you, the King, and I. And now let's join our voices and say this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just want to say, aren't you glad to be a part of this congregation? There are so many wonderful gifts that are shared here, including lay people like Carol who pray so beautifully, musicians who sing so wonderfully, pastors who preach powerful and meaningful messages. But even more than that, this is a congregation of people that takes this stuff and carries it out into the world. And that's why I'm glad to be part of this, and I hope that you are too. Um, today we'll have a chance to give an offering in just a minute, and that's how we can contribute, one of the ways we contribute. We also contribute with our talents. But Pastor John has something to tell us about another way we can make a difference in the world. So here's Pastor John. Well, thanks you so much, uh, Lynn, for, for that invitation. As we share in this mission moment time, and the ushers, you're welcome to come forward and receive this morning's offering while I share if you'd like. But we... Um, we decided, uh, for those of you who are new to this church, each and every year we pick a mission of the year to support as a congregation through the whole year. The first year that Pastor Lindsay and I were here, we raised money for the Vena Dental Clinic, which is a mission that's near and dear to our congregation's heart. It's right here on our campus, and they serve hundreds of people in our community who have dental needs. Last year, we decided to raise money for the Samaritan Counseling Center, which again is right here on our campus. It supports folks who, um, who need clinical counseling and support with, uh, with a counselor. And this year, what the Mission Council has voted to support is a program called Readers to Leaders, which hopefully you were handed a bulletin insert on your way in the church this morning. Last year at annual conference, you may be aware that this United Methodist Church is a part of 800 United Methodist churches in the state of Michigan, and we get together once a year in Traverse City to vote on all kinds of things relevant to ministry here in the state of Michigan. And one 
one of the things that we voted on was uh, that across the whole state of Michigan, we are going to try to encourage every single local church in all of Michigan to raise $600, which for some churches like Brighton, that's, that's not particularly hard. We can usually raise $600 for a cause that we're passionate about, but for a church with like 25 to 30 people on a Sunday, that, that's work to raise $600, but we thought that every local church could do it. You may be wondering why. This year, uh, across the state of Michigan, people, every local church is raising $600, and $300 of that will go towards uh, students going to school in Liberia. It costs $300 to send a kid to school for a whole year in Liberia, which if you're, you're like us, we can spend $300 at Target a week in groceries. You know, it's like $300 uh, doesn't oftentimes make, make uh, a huge difference to us. So for some people it does, but uh, in three, $300 in Liberia can send a kid to school for the whole year, which would include all of the necessary school fees, all of the uniforms, all of the resources necessary to have uh, a class for an entire year, all the teachers would get paid, and in addition to that, we would install flush toilets at the schools that these students are going to school at and a, a hand pump if there's not already one there to provide clean and safe drinking water, which is an issue for about a million people in Liberia every single year. In addition to that, $300 of every $600 that gets raised would stay right here in the state of Michigan, and it would go to support a summer program called a Freedom School Program in disadvantaged areas for students to go to school in the summer, which you might think, like, who in God's name would ever want to do that? But in some communities uh, where where people are really striving uh, to have access to education, these summer programs, one, are very fun, and secondly, they bridge that gap between the spring and fall when so many of us, like, forget the progress that we made in school that year. These programs put these students ahead. They're called Freedom Schools, uh, and, and they are an eight-week program. So for $300, you can send one kid to a Freedom School program where you'll improve the literacy rate in that disadvantaged communities. We've, we've had these uh, schools in the state of Michigan really since the 1960s, and they've created a phenomenal way to turn these, you know, readers, because they focus primarily on literacy, into leaders in our community. We wanted to have a local component because there's lots of churches across the state of Michigan that have been pushed to do international projects, and they say, like, well, there are problems over there, but there's also problems right here in our own backyard that we want to address. And so this campaign kind of combined both an international focus with a local focus. And so it's my hope um, that through the course of this next year, that if you feel inspired, one of the ways that we're going to raise this money is anybody sitting here today, uh, one way or another, can have a $100 micro-grant. So today, if you came to church and you're interested or you're watching online and receiving a micro-grant, we encourage you to just send a, an email to me or Pastor Lindsay or the church office just saying, yes, I would like to take you up on this offer. I kind of was like sort of in the mood to just like pull out a big wad of $100 bills, but I didn't think the image would be right. But you can take those $100 and you could have a car wash, or you could host dinner for a group of your friends, or you could come up with some other creative way to raise funds, and we're hoping that those $100 that we give you uh, would turn into $101, or $200, or $300, whatever you might be able to imagine as a strategy for raising money. It's our hope that you would multiply those funds. Perhaps you remember this story from the scriptures where three servants were given each, you know, an equal number of talents, and one of them went and buried them, the other one went and sold stuff and, you know, added to it, and the other one multiplied those gifts so that there were more. I don't know how people will use these $100 micrograms, but if you would feel called to take $100 and have a car wash, or if you feel called to, you know, to do something, I encourage you to email me and I will give you $100 to try to multiply that into 101 or 105 or 300 or more. And then by June, we'll collect. We'll have a big day of collection right before annual conference this year to try to send as many kids to school as possible. I want to close with this. In Liberia, it's not uncommon for parents to have multiple kids. 
and, and this is the part that breaks my heart. I have two kids, most of you know that, but, but in Liberia, it's often the case that most households have about $300 a year of annual household income. And you can imagine what that means. If you have three kids, or five, or seven, whatever, and, and you realize that in order to pay your school fees, you have to have $300. Can you imagine what it would be like to go to your seven kids and just pick one of them to be able to go to school? And the rest of the kids have to work, you know? They have to go to the market and sell bread or cassava or plantains or whatever you might imagine so that they can all raise money for their siblings, you know, to be able to go to school. And the part that breaks my heart most about this is more often than not, boys are chosen to go to school because you reach a certain age and, and at, at certain age, girls start menstruating and as a result of that, they have to go home for a week of school because there aren't flush toilets and there's not access to clean and safe drinking water for sanitation. And that's why this campaign is so important. By installing these hand pumps, by installing these flush toilets, by, you know, some of the work that's gone on in our church through Days for Girls, which provides kits for, for girls to be able to go to school and have sanitation while they're going through their periods on a monthly basis, we're creating an opportunity that flattens the playing field so that boys and girls can go to school in equal number. I am so excited about this campaign, and already we get a, a report every month and, and already in the state of Michigan, we've raised over $70,000 for this campaign. So what our church is doing is just piggybacking on what all of these churches across the state of Michigan are already doing. Uh, this is probably the longest mission moment ever. So the next time somebody says, can I do a mission moment? I'm like, only three minutes. You will say, John, you are a hypocrite. And I'll be like, you're right. You're, you're right about that. But, but I'm excited about what we'll be able to do as a church this next year. I want to tell you that already, before this campaign even started, we've already had close to $10,000 of donations for this cause. And so as we continue through the course of the year, it's my hope that we can multiply that and raise enough money to send, you know, kids to school. And, and I want to also share that, that we're going to do about 100 scholarships is our hope. We're not just doing them for one year. I mean, can you imagine if you were in the fourth grade and you're like, you get a scholarship for this year, you get to go to school, and then the next year you go to pay your school fees and you can't go to school. So our vision is, instead of doing 800 one-year scholarships, we're doing 100 scholarships that will graduate kids from high school in Liberia, which, which would be the equivalent of having a college degree here in the United States. So there will be more information to follow, but if you want 100 bucks, I will give it to you, and we'll collect it in, in late May, and we'll hopefully make a difference, not only right here in the state of Michigan with the Freedom School programs, which are phenomenally exciting, but also for our friends in Liberia. Thank you so much for your support. Amen. offerings out of our gratitude for all you have given us. Thank you for your creation, for the circle of life that continues, and for guiding us each step of the way through our kingdom and your kingdom. Amen.
Amen. Well, as you go out into the world, I pray that you would go with the songs of the Lion King in your heart, that you would go with the joy that only comes from God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As you go out into the world, if you want $100, I don't care whether you're five years old or 95 years old, just come talk to me. Um, I would be happy to put it in your hands so that we can bless and multiply our gifts. If you feel called to make a difference in the world, I want to let you know that you're in the right place. If you feel called to help people get back on their feet and, and face their giants, you're in the right place. As you go out into the world, I pray that you would sing the songs of life. And may they be your prayers as well. Go out with the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go loving and serving the Lord. Amen. We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You are invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.